Good morning, Tuolumne Community Baptist Church podcast listeners. I'm so glad that you're here. This is Resurrection Sunday morning. I'm so glad that you're tuning in. We have a a really interesting service going on here today. Uh, We did our sunrise service. Uh, I I posted that message out there. Uh, And then we came back to the church and had a continental breakfast and everybody enjoyed hot coffee and, and goodies that we had to eat. It was a wonderful time. And then at 10.30, we're moving into our regular service. Uh, it's going to get started here in oh, less than an hour, about a half hour from now. And I'm so excited because today we have a baptismal service. What a wonderful time it's going to be. We're going to have communion. We're going to take communion to the Lord, and we're going to worship Him and be uh, give Him praise for all that He has done for each one of us. And then we're going to baptize. I think right now we have six or seven people that have uh, made commitments for Christ and are being baptized on this Resurrection Sunday. And after that is all done, if I have time, I'm going to bring you the rest of the story in John chapter 13. Um, I I gave you some of it. If you listen to the the morning uh, sunrise service, I talked about John chapter 13. And if I have time in this service, I will finish it. If not, go to John chapter 13 and read the rest of it. It's it's a great, great chapter to read. God bless you. I hope to see you soon. And uh, we're going to get started with the service here shortly. And I'm going to keep you just long enough to let you go and enjoy your families and the rest of this beautiful day that God has made. I've been in a sermon series called In the Beginning which has been a study through the gospel of the book of John. And I was kind of surprised when the Lord put it on my heart to to go through the book of John. It's kind of like, all right, Lord, is this going to be like the ABCs of Christianity? I mean, we've all read the book of John. But there's been so much more. It's been so much more. And you can go back and pick up every single message on the podcast So now we're at John 13, and it happened to to hit on Resurrection Sunday. It was really interesting. John chapter 12, it landed on Palm Sunday. And guess what that was? Last Sunday, it was like, oh, this is perfect. Then I get to John 13, and it's not about the resurrection, but we're on the way to the crucifixion. John 13 begins the private phase of John's gospel. Jesus meets privately with just his disciples for the Passover meal. He had said earlier to them, what I do you don't understand. And in asking for a bath, Peter proved that he didn't understand. He didn't understand what was happening. So Jesus corrects him again, and he said in these words, he gives a beautiful explanation of the process of salvation. It gives us a beautiful. It begins with a bath, the initial coming to Christ. And that's exactly what I asked everybody that was baptized today. Have you come to Christ? That's the initial bath that we get when we come to Christ It takes place where we're in a place of bankruptcy with him, coming without any ability 
of our own righteousness to offer and allowing him to cleanse us. That's what this is all about. He likens it to a bath in which we are washed all over completely from head to foot. Jesus, of course, is alluding to the common social practice in those days. It is a custom to take a bath before you went to a meal, especially a Passover meal. It was so important that you bathed before. But in walking, in walking through the dirty streets of the city with sandals on, your feet would be defiled. So when you arrived, a guest, a servant, would wash your feet. But you would not need to repeat the entire bath. So Jesus is saying, when you first come to me, you're bathed, you're clean all over. This is what the Bible calls justification by faith. It is washing away all the guilt and the sin of an entire life, past, present, and future. Can I get an amen? amen. But as you walk through this life, as you walk through this life, Jesus knows that your feet will be defiled. During your walk, and it needs to be washed away. Thus, he teaches us that not only do we need that initial never having to be repeated cleansing, but we also need many times repeated experience of forgiveness and coming to Christ for a cleansing a way of the defilement of our walk. This determines that we have part in him. Jesus says that in the word. He said, this is what he, he was telling Peter. If you do not allow me to do this, you have no part in me. How could he say that to Peter? He's, he's been one of his 12 for three years. Maybe the one that was kind of outspoken and got himself into trouble more often than everybody else, but... If you don't allow me to wash your feet, you have no part in me. So that tells me that as we walk through this life and we think that we're perfect and we don't make mistakes, I don't know about you, my feet get dirty. I walk through a sinful world that's full of corruption and it's full of things that make me spiritually dirty. And I always come to the Lord and say, Father, forgive me. Forgive me. Wash my feet. And that's what we did today. By doing communion, we're saying, Father, once again, come and cleanse me. It doesn't mean we need a whole bath. It means we need to repent of where we've been walking, what we've been thinking, what we've been doing maybe adjusting some thinking in our lives. Let me say it like this. We need a spiritual foot washing. If we have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we are clean, we are saved, and we don't need to be completely washed again. But we walk in a world where we get our feet dirty. Now, every week I've been doing a pop quiz. Do you guys still want the pop quiz? Yeah. All right, pop quiz. Bring up number one. 
Okay. Number one, in John 12, 16, his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that things, these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. What does it mean Jesus was glorified? Come on. Speak it out, Laura. No. When Jesus was glorified is when he was crucified. That's what he meant. When I am glorified, and we think of glorified as, but that's what he was talking about. When he was crucified, then they finally begin to understand what was happening. Okay, you failed on that one. Number two. John 12, 32. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. What did Jesus mean by if I am lifted up from the earth? It means the cross. He was lifted up. It's almost the same as the first one. When they lifted him up and put him on the cross, he was lifted up from the earth. You guys remember the Old Testament story of Moses and the serpent on the pole? And he said, it's just like what Christ is going to be lifted up and we're going to see. That's exactly what that meant. And it's important. I give you these little things just because I want to make sure you're getting this in John. So let's go to John chapter 13, verse 1. I'm probably only going to take you to through 10 or 11. I'm not going to keep you. I've got, I've got the entire chapter. I go all the way to uh, 38. I don't think I'm going to do that to you. You can go home and read it. But I want to explain what I'm going to give you. These first 10 verses, it's interesting. Because I talked to the men about this on men's Bible study, and they kind of all told me I was wrong. And I disagreed with them. I believe that God has given me what Jesus was talking about in these 10 verses. And it's exactly what I've already described to you in my opening. But John's seen something a little different. I want to show that to you. So, John 13, 1, 1 and 2, or just 1. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that, he, that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father having loved his own who were in this world, he loved them to the end. Amen. Verse 2. And supper being ended, the devil having already been put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and is going to God. Verse 4. Rose from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured the water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a the towel with which he was girded. Now understand, washing the feet of the guests is the lowest of the jobs 
that you could have. It is the lowest. The poorest, the slaves, even the people who the Pharisees called sinners, prostitutes and such, are the ones who got these jobs. It was the lowest. It was the bottom. Jesus, kneeling down to wash the disciples' feet, seemed to be an insult to Peter. Peter at first said, no, 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 not me. You're not, you're not a slave. You're not a servant. But let's look at how Jesus replies in verse 6. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand, but you will know after this. Peter said in verse 8, Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. He didn't understand. But listen to what Jesus said. Jesus answered, If I do not wash your feet, you have no part in me. You have no part in me. Well, if we try to relate that to our present-day salvation, that's what we're talking about, right? If you think you're so good that you're so saved and you're such a mighty Christian, you can walk through this life and you don't need to ask for forgiveness for anything because you're all that. I would question your salvation. Jesus said, you have no part in me. If you can't come and take care of what's defiled on your feet. That's the, the point. We're saved. We just experience seeing people making a public confession of their faith. Each one of these precious people, even those precious babies, they're going to need to confess from time to time. Because they're walking in a defiled world. Their feet are going to get dirty. They're going to need to repent. And say, God, forgive me. And God smiles and say, you're part of me. Because we know enough to know when we're wrong. Does anybody here not know when they're wrong? I think we all do. We know when we're wrong. I know when I need to ask for forgiveness. Go ahead, just cut me off in traffic and see. And then I'll come to you and say, brother, forgive me. I'm just a human being. Peter didn't get it. Verse 8, it says, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And he said, if I do not wash your feet, you have no part in me. Verse 9, Simon Peter said, Lord, not only my feet, but my hands and my head, follow me. And in verse 10, Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And Peter, you are clean. But not all of you. Now, I'll admit, I'm the pastor here and I'm reading the Bible. And I can put emphasis on it where I want to put emphasis on it and make it sound a certain way. But I want you to pay close to what John says. Now, John wrote this many years after the fact. From my historical look on this, John had a problem with Judas all along. John is the only one of the disciples that called Judas a thief before he even 
betrayed Jesus. So John heard it one way, and believe me, I, I talked to my men about this, and I've been praying about this, because I want to make sure I'm right. And I refused all week to not look at any other commentaries because I didn't want anybody else's idea to be put into my head. You know what I mean? But when I finally got to that place where I got to know and I started looking at what other people have read this scripture and I found out that it's kind of 50-50, about half of them are with me. And others go, well, listen to John, verses 11 and 12. He says, for he who knew, for he knew who would betray him. He's talking about Jesus, capital H, for he knew who would betray him, Jesus. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. Well, Judas probably wasn't all clean. It already said that, you know, that he allowed the devil to slip into his heart. And I think we could, we could do a whole sermon series on Judas himself and look at the Judas that's in each one of us. Anyway, verse 12. So he, when he had washed their feet, he'd taken the garments and sat down. And he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? Verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and you say well, for I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. That's truly what he was talking about. And I believe that Jesus did show us a beautiful picture of the salvation process. And I believe that John was right, that he's saying that Judas was not clean. So not all of us are clean. But I really believe that Jesus was leaning towards the salvation picture. If Judas had repented, would God have forgiven his sins? Absolutely. Absolutely. Fact is, we don't know that he didn't. We don't know. We'll find out when we get to heaven. We could have a debate about it all through church and disagree on it and argue that Judas was the thief and he was, you know, he betrayed his Jesus. I mean, who could do that? Hmm. Who could do that? Have you ever sinned since you've been saved? Yeah. Yeah. You know? I'm human. <laughs> Amen. And we need to have our feet washed. We need to come to the cross and say, God, forgive me because I am human. And I make mistakes. That's what Jesus was really trying to teach us in this expression of washing his feet. John 15 says, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a servant greater than he who sent him. He's not greater than God. He is God. Verse 17. If you know these things, blessed are you who do them. Verse 18. I do not speak concerning 
all of you, now he's talking about Judas. I know whom I have chosen, but that scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Jesus watched his feet too. He knew. We serve a loving God, a gracious God, who cares about us. Verse 19, he says, Now I can tell you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you will believe that I am he. I'm telling you guys, I gave you my body. I showed you my blood. I gave you all the, the implements. When it happens, you're going to remember that I told you these things. And that's exactly what that scripture in the, in the pop quiz was about. When he is glorified, we will understand. And he has been glorified. Amen. I'm going to end it there. Read the rest of John 13. It's a very interesting scripture. There's more in there. I gave some of it this morning out at the, out at the cross. And you can pick that up on the podcast too. I put that on the podcast. But God has been so gracious to me. to be your pastor and to see these precious souls being saved. What, what a blessing. I cannot tell you. Thank you, Walker and Miller family. God bless you, and I hope you come back to check us out more, to see us. We have a great bunch of people here, and we love to eat a lot. And we're finally getting to the point where we can start doing that again. You know, with the whole COVID thing, we've just cut it all out. We've been trying to be good following all the rules, doing things the best that we can and complying with the CDC. Well, we're ready to cut loose and start enjoying some potlucks and, you know, some picnics in the park and stuff that we can enjoy with one another. We need each other. We need the fellowship. It's so vital. It's so important. But like I've said to you earlier, and I'll say to you again, this is your church. You always have it. It's always here for you. And I say that to our people. We're, we're at home here. Amen? Amen? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time that you have given us today. Father, this is Resurrection Sunday. Father, I thank you for what you have done for us. Father, I thank you for the guests that we have today. I thank you for all that you're doing in this place. Even when it seems like we're not doing enough as a church, we're just kind of here. We're just kind of in limbo. I feel it. But, Father, things are happening. When the world is turned upside down, when our country is turned upside down, is when the church has to rise up. Father, that's when I believe people will turn back to the church when they see what government is doing. Father, I bless each and every person here. 
I ask you to bless them and protect them. Father, I just ask you to bring them back again safely. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.